Welcome to Taking the Plunge with Marissa Woods and Mara Seiler Price. We are two people who never thought we would be doing this, but here we are giving it a try and taking the plunge. We are so excited to meet and share the stories of so many people who have made significant changes in their lives and taken their own plunge. We hope you'll take this journey with us. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Ellen Cohn, who is the chief zookeeper of Zach's Zoo. And the mission of Zach Zoo is to provide children in turmoil with a brand new stuffed animal. When children are faced with scary situations, they gravitate to something which provides comfort, typically a stuffed animal. When you are a child, having a stuffed animal is like having a friend or family member you can always rely on, talk to, love, and be loved unconditionally. So we'd like to introduce Ellen Cohn and Alana, her daughter. We'd like to introduce you both to the show. Hi. Thank you. Hi. So if, you, if you'd both like to tell us sort of how Zach Zoo began, that would be great. Okay. Um, Zach Zoo began in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. Alana's brother was seven. Alana wasn't even um, around yet. And Zach was horrified to learn that the kids in New Orleans... Never mind that they lost their homes, some lost their parents, some lost other family members or their pets, but he was horrified that they lost their toys. And we were talking about the relationship that we had with Louisiana and Baton Rouge and New Orleans, and Zach asked to help. And so at first he thought, let's do a lemonade stand. And we talked about it, and I thought it was a great idea, but I mentioned that it may not get a lot of results. And he said, let's go around and collect stuffed animals. And so we thought that we would go to a couple families, a couple neighbors, collect a couple stuffed animals, send them down to our friend whose son was the medical triage doctor in Baton Rouge. So when the families left New Orleans and went on to Texas or wherever they went, they got um, checked out in Baton Rouge. And we figured, we'll just send him the couple. He'll give them to a couple kids. Zach will be happy he helped, and life will go on. And a day into it, a neighbor called NBC News and said that we were out in the neighborhood and they needed to come. So NBC News reached out to us. And they taped Zach going door to door collecting stuffed animals. And that aired. And right after that aired, uh, the Today Show called. And they said that they were having a feature on kids helping kids. And they wanted to send Kevin Tibbles over that night. And so they sent Kevin Tibbles over and Kevin and Zach sat in our garage counting stuffed animals and told him about his idea. And before we knew it, two men in California reached out and said, you're really easy to find and we want to protect your son. So we're going to give you a website. What would you like the name to be? And oh, by the way, we need it right now. And Zach was at school. And so I came up with Zach's zoo because he was collecting stuffed animals and he had a whole criteria 
of exactly what the stuffed animal needed to be. It had to provide comfort. It had to be cuddly. It had to be cute. It had to look or be new. It had to be um, have all its parts, no missing eyes or arms. And the reason he said was because these kids have lost everything. Why would I want to give them something that's falling apart? Mm-hmm. And thus became Zach Zoo, and we had a website, and before we knew it, He had collected more than, much more than 10,000 stuffed animals. And that's how it became Zach Zoo. Zach never, in the whole time, asked to keep anything for himself. He felt that he was doing this to help the kids. Where do you think that came from? Because that's a pretty unique quality for a young child. Where it came from is hard to say. In all honesty, um, definitely not me. (laughs) Definitely not his dad. I would like to say that maybe subconsciously in the back of his mind, knowing that he was adopted, he knew that life would have been so different had he not been adopted. And it was his way of giving back. I'm guessing that this probably wasn't the first time that you saw this altruistic characteristic in Zach. What were some of the first moments or the first moment that you remember looking at your son and saying, wow, he has a really selfless spirit? The first moment that I noticed Zach having this selfless spirit was he was five years old and um, his dad used to travel all the time. And so midweek, every week, we would go to Michael's for dinner on Wednesday nights. And you know, those game, the claw game where you put mm-hmm. the money in <laughs> and the claw goes down and they usually don't get the stuffed animal. Yeah. Nobody, yes. nobody ever Awful, wins. Right? <laughs> well, Zach yes. had this innate ability to not just win one, but he would win at least two, three or four in the course wow. of one night. <laughs> Unheard of. And, right. And we were at Michael's this one particular Wednesday night and he had a few lined up on the table and there was a woman behind us at her table with I think it was three girls at that point and one of the little girls was crying so with that Zach took the stuffed animal and walked over to give it to her to comfort her and the mom says oh no 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 take it because she'll want to keep it. And Zach in his innocence was like, that's okay. She can have it. I have others. And gave it to this little girl, and and she was very cute about it. And the mom said to Zach, I get you in 20 years. You're marrying my daughter. (laughs) Ironically enough, I didn't know her. She didn't know me. And the kids turned out to go to elementary, middle school, and high school together. They were in almost every single class in elementary school. And the mom actually was the party planner for Alana's recent bat mitzvah. And did Zach recognize how unique and special these qualities were within himself, that this is not like every other child? Zach did not think anything, that he was doing anything differently than what any other child would do to help another person. He never understood the power and the positive impact that he made on other lives. He just thought that this was what everybody did. And he <laughs> went on to college and when when we thought he was in class, he was actually at the children's hospital volunteering eight hours every day, five days a week instead of going to class and was not asked to come back to school. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know he was doing that. We didn't find that out um, for about a year later. 
but he um he always looked he just he came home from school and made him get a job and he was working at performance bike and on the weekends he would lead bicycle rides and one time he was on his way home with his bicycle on top of the car and he noticed a car on the wrong side of the highway and he circled around and went back and got out of the car and said to the the man he's like you know you're on the wrong side of the highway Mm. if you needed to pull over you needed to go on the right side and he said flat tire couldn't and Zach looked at the man and noticed he had a cast from his fingertips to his elbows Mm. the man explained that nobody would stop and he couldn't change the tire and he had been there for three hours and Zach in his innocence said well you know I've never changed a tire but if you tell me what to do I'll do it for you and 20 minutes later he said he w- he went on a rant on Facebook about how it took him 20 minutes and hundreds of cars flew by and he was appalled that not one person could just stop and help. So being his mom, it sounds like, again, like you've said multiple times, he always thought this was normal. He never thought he was different or unique in these ways. What about you as his mother? Like, what did you think about all these incredible things he was doing throughout his life? I was like, why you? <laughs> <laughs> why me? <laughs> somebody else I used to think you know why you can you please let somebody else do this so he earned a lot of awards for his efforts Mm -hmm. and again he didn't get what the big deal was but he got um, the point of light foundation's highest honor Wow. he got a letter a handwritten note from President Bush he was honored by the US Army And he got a key to the city of Highland Park. I mean, he and all the while he kept saying, what's the big deal? I'm just trying to help kids. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's just an incredible sense of purpose. Right. He had a lot of purpose. And, you know, along with the sense of purpose, it sounds like he had such a great sense of who he was. Most people don't escape adolescence without some level of insecurity or fear or feeling like they didn't fit in. Did Zach have any of those moments where he doubted himself or felt like maybe he was different than his peers? And if so, what were those like? Zach doubted himself almost daily. The social awkwardness piece. He used to say, I don't fit in. Mm. And I used to laugh. I'm like, you're leading the way. You're showing other kids what they should be doing. You're right. You don't fit in because you're too nice. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how to be nasty and you don't know how to be mean, except his little sister, of course. Well, but that's another well, story. Right. I mean, you that's, know, yeah. of course. It's, it's he wouldn't stuff. be human. Exactly. Right? Right. right. Um, so he struggled socially until we got him down to North Broward Preparatory mm-hmm. School, where he found his place, so to speak, Mm -hmm. in a group of what I would like to call the breakfast club kids, truly. And he never saw the movie. Um, And you've never seen the movie, so yeah. Um, But Fantastic movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great movie, and it was who he was. So he struggled with that piece for most of his life. So Zach is home. He's working at Performance Bike, and he also... Got a job at Banner Day Camp. When he was at Banner, he would say, I want to be a teacher. 
I want to teach kids that learn differently like me, mm-hmm. that have social awkwardness like me, mm-hmm. and show them that it's okay to be different. I'm like, cool. And he came home. He's working at Performance Bicycle, and he's working at Banner during the summer. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm going to buy a motorcycle. And I'm saying over my dead body, you're not <laughs> right, buying a right. motorcycle. Like, like a good mom does. Yes, right. I'm like, well, and I, I knew too many people that were either maimed or killed. And I would say you're not, not happening as long as you live under my roof. You're not having a motorcycle. It's like, I'm getting a motorcycle. I want to take a trip across the country. I'm like, you're not getting one. Then his dad and I divorced. And she and I moved out. And he bought a motorcycle because it wasn't under my roof anymore. And he um, planned out a trip. He planned it out for two years. He routed it. He researched where he would stay every single stop along the way. And so before Zach went on the trip, his dad brought him over and said, he's not listening to me. Can you please talk to him and have him not take this trip? And I said, you know, Zach, um, it's been a rough summer. I have been dealing with your grandmother, who was not well. Mm-hmm. And I, it just, can you just not do it this summer, please? It's like, Mom, you've never been selfish before. I'm, Don't be selfish now. I'm taking this trip. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. I said, well, then let me tell you what you need to know so that when you don't come home to me the way you're supposed to, you will know what you meant So we had that conversation of, you know, you're the reason I'm a mom. You came along first. You tested me to every limit. You are doing a great job raising me. And just know that I love you. And, you know, there's no stronger love than a parent to a child. And if you have to do this, you better be safe. And you better stay in touch every day and he did he went on this trip and he if he didn't check in with me he was checking in with his dad if he didn't check in with his dad did he check in with you at all or he didn't check in with Alana okay (laughs) but he did check in with my parents oh um he would text my mom but he would check in with everybody and when he would check in with me um it would be to tell me where exactly he was and he would send me screenshots or he would FaceTime and show me where he was. One was in the mountains of Tennessee somewhere and every stop I was holding my breath thinking please God just let him get to the next stop. Um he went to West Virginia. He hung out with his fraternity brothers. He went to Kentucky. He hung out with another fraternity brother and all the while being very safe, taking care of this motorcycle truly like it was his baby. Mm. Um, his fraternity brother in Kentucky had ring, the ring doorbell mm. and yeah. the video. And it shows Zach pulling up, getting off, wiping down the the motorcycle, <laughs> wiping down the helmet, wiping down the gloves, <laughs> wiping down everything, laying it all out and being so proud of himself like this is my baby. Then he was somewhere in Indiana and I did say to him, the weather in Illinois has been very bad. Do not ride on your motorcycle if it is raining. And he said, I'm not promising you that, that I won't ride, but I promise you I will be safe. And I promise you I will call you as soon as I get to Champaign. 
Next day, it was an overcast day. Zach was on his way to Champagne. He was about 70 miles or so from Champagne. And out of nowhere, a microburst, which is like a mini tornado, came and he lost control of his motorcycle. He was killed instantly. And the microburst left. It was as though Mother Nature, or God, felt that Zach was done with his job down here. Early in the week, we had to put his dog down. It was the second of his two dogs that had died. And all I could think of was, okay, well, God needs you to be dog walking up in heaven instead of dog walking down here. I mean, that was another job that Zach had done, and he was gone. And literally less than two minutes. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I promised Alana I would try to get through this without mm. crying, but when you're a mom, <laughs> not so easy. No. no. And what was that night like when you learned that you had lost your son? Okay, well, earlier in the week, I had gotten a $250 parking ticket at a Panera Bread. And so as I'm pulling into my house, there are, I was picking up dinner and I had texted, I had texted Zach saying, are you in Champagne? I didn't hear back from him, which was normal. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, this is fine. But I'm pulling into my driveway and there are two police officers. And I'm like, oh, geez. And they said, are you Ellen Cohn? And I said, I am. And they said, park your car. We need to talk with you. And I'm thinking, oh, no, not another one. (laughs) And so I got out and literally I said, what did I do? (laughs) And they said, do you have a son? And I said, I do. I said, I have a son named Zach. And if he's in trouble, he was told to call his father. And they said, does he ride a yellow motorcycle? And I said, yes. And he was told that if something happened to him, that I was to get the phone call. I said, so what's going on? They said, well, there was an accident. And I looked at them and I said, he's dead. And they said, well, there was one fatality. And yes, he did not make it. I said, okay. I said, I need to bring dinner into my daughter. And they said, no, we can't let you go in. You need to have a family member. And I said, well, I think I need to call his dad first. And they said, well, where's his dad? And I said, in Vegas on a business trip. I called his dad, and I will never forget the sound that he made. I don't really remember too much of what I said to Alana other than there was an accident. We're all okay. But unfortunately, Zachary is not. And he is now in heaven or something. And she gave me a hug and she cried for a second. And she's like, I think I'll go stay with Lila, who was her best friend. I remember calling the coroner and the coroner telling me something to the effect that, oh, your son is gorgeous. And I'm like, 
I don't want to hear that right now. Thank you very much. And I gave my cousin the phone and, and I remember that because he really was cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was his mom mm-hmm. and our children are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it just struck me like, why is the coroner telling me that my son is so gorgeous mm-hmm. when he's dead? Mm-hmm. And I, in hindsight, I think it was to calm me down and let me know that it was okay. Um, because there were different reports of exactly how mm-hmm. Zach died. And she reassured me by saying, no, this is definitely a body of a, of a person who was killed by a microburst, definitely nothing else. But all of a sudden I started thinking, oh my God, I got to get to my parents. They're in their 80s. How do you tell 80-year-old anything? Mm-hmm. My cousins and I went to my parents and I remember walking in and they were it was about nine o'clock at night and my cousin stayed in the living room and I went into the den and I said can you guys come into the living room I need to talk with you and so they did they didn't know that anybody was with me and so my dad was like oh who wants a beer you know and my mom was like okay why are you all here what's wrong who died. She had already lost both of her parents. She had lost her brother. So she knew it wasn't, or she thought it wasn't somebody like that. And so I sat next to her. I told her that Zach had passed. And I will never forget the scream because it's something I had never heard. But when I saw my dad drop to the floor, yeah, we, we have a picture, a mental picture in our minds that our parents are supposed to be rocks mm-hmm. and solid. And it was the first time in my life, even when my grandparents had died, that I ever saw my parents not be rocks. Uh, my parents have to not just grieve the loss of their grandson, who they had an incredible relationship with. But they also have to grieve the loss of who I was, the loss of who she was, Alana was, because we are definitely not the same people that we were on September 6th. And he died September 7th. I mean, um, you go through something like this and you realize that life is so precious and we take things so for granted that you really can't. I mean, I've always said to my kids and my parents on every phone call or anytime I drop anybody off, I love you because you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And I always just say Zach would give me half a hug because it would only be one arm and he'd roll his <laughs> eyes and he'd leave. I mean, even the night before he left on his trip, he stopped by to say goodbye and gave me half a hug. And I couldn't figure out why he was in such a hurry. And it turns out he was in a hurry because the girl that he was going to visit in Champagne was waiting outside of my house for him and they were going on a date. <laughs> so, um, but, so that was, that was his trip. He did come home to me the way he was supposed to. As a parent, again, I can't imagine getting that type of news. I mean, truly. How did you and how have you coped and been dealing with it? And what, what got you through this period? Because, again, it's, it's pretty unimaginable. Losing a child is, is something I would not even wish on 
my worst enemy. Not that I have any, but it's it's an experience that you either draw from it and you figure out how do I continue on this life in his memory and in his honor, or do I wallow in my self-pity and loss? And I have a kid to raise still. Mm-hmm. I have a daughter. And she, first of all, Alana brings out the best in me and she makes me stronger for who I am. Mm-hmm. But sh- she needs to know that it's okay if mom cries, mm-hmm. but it's okay my mom is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what keeps me going and keeps me grounded because I have to make sure her world was rocked twice in one year. Her parents divorced mm-hmm. and she, Alana, she's always been a tough cookie, but at 11 years old, how do you deal with that? How do you make sense out of your world? And so I knew I had to be okay. And I learned it's a bad situation, but can we look at the brighter side? He died happy. He died finding himself. He died knowing who he was and why he was put on this earth. And he died instead of being left a vegetable, instead of leaving it to me to decide, do you live or die? Mm -hmm. And having to decide on a machine or off of a machine. So yes, he died. And and when I get to heaven, and she's heard this, Alana has heard this a gazillion times, when I get to heaven and I find him, I will kill him. (laughs) And he better get on that motorcycle and go as fast as he can. (laughs) Because if I catch him, he is going to be very sorry. And she's seen me get mad. <laughs> and you'll hear me get mad <laughs> because he, it, it, but it happened. And, but she, Alana is the reason and my parents are the reason that I keep going. But more than that, Zach would be horrified if he knew that his life destroyed anybody else's, that his death, in his death, destroyed my life or her life or his grandparents' life, it it would kill him all over again. I know a lot of times when we know somebody who's gone through an unimaginable tragedy, we oftentimes don't know what to say. And sometimes that leads us to say nothing. And by saying nothing, sometimes that other person feels more alone. What advice do you have for people in that situation where they want to reach out to someone who is grieving, but they're just not sure how to? It's incredible the support that people have given me. And it can be just a text message saying, thinking of you today. Something very simple. I, I mean, and I don't expect it out of everybody. But if, if I learned one thing, it's when somebody is grieving, even if you don't know what to say, saying nothing is more harmful than just sitting next to them and saying hi. How are you? I think that's so important to say because I think so many people are afraid of saying the wrong thing. And so they, they do think saying nothing, well, I, I just should avoid it altogether. And they think that's a better thing to do. So I think it's so important to share that because I do. I think that's a really common theme that people feel. I love saying Zach's name. I love telling stories about him. I mean, he was a character. One time when we were outside, um, 
he like came around the corner of our house and he threw um a really big water balloon at me <laughs> and then and then I sprayed him with the hose. And he also we used to jump off of this ledge that was like on the not roof, but it was like close to the top of our house into the snow when it would be like super tall. Oh. What have these last couple years been like for you, Alana? Um they've been like realizing because I've realized that like um you should like take things in like even bad things because then like you learn from them and everything like happens for a reason and how do you feel you've coped the best like what's helped you the most get through these past few years just like thinking that he would be really mad like if anybody was every single day sad about Mm. him being gone so I just try to like be happy about like the moments that we had together. Mm. So as you know, this podcast is taking the plunge and you've already talked about some plunges certainly and some really incredible work. Talk to us though about the plunges that you have taken since Zach's death and done really in honor of Zach. So when Zachary died, Alana and I were talking about how do we keep Zach going? And we... Alana said, let's bring back Zach Zoo. And I'm like, oh, geez, what is that going to look like? And so for us, we took the plunge, so to speak, to put ourselves back out there, to let our story be known through Zach Zoo, how it became Zach Zoo. Um, People don't like to hear that you're grieving, Mm -hmm. right? And that's natural. And yet we've shown a different side of how you can grieve for somebody and taken our story into different directions, into a more positive, inspiring, giving back, something that would honestly make Zach proud Mm -hmm. um, and keeping his legacy going. And so we took the plunge to say, okay, we're going to bring Zach Zoo back and Um, Alana had the idea, well, let's take it first locally, but then put it on social media. And with social media, we started getting more attention. And so then Alana said, well, it would be okay if we went across the pond and went internationally. We went north. We are in Canada. Um, That's as international right now as, as we've gotten. It was putting our story out there, putting Zachary's story out there. And how are people going to respond? And I will say that we have more people saying, how can we help? Mm-hmm. And now Zach Zoo works with first responders, and I'm happy to say across the country, but also in Canada, to get brand new stuffed animals into their hands to give to children in turmoil. So how has that been for you now to put this back out there? Both, yeah, both of you, actually. It's like, it's been good because we've had a lot of opportunities to make Zach Zoo bigger than it was even when Zach did it. Mm-hmm. And it's also like a good healing process because you get to do something that's fun and it doesn't make you sad because mm-hmm. you're not just thinking that he passed away, but you're doing a good thing too. So for me... 
Zach Zoo has been very cathartic. What's amazing is kids now are asking if they can do their bar or bat mitzvah mm-hmm. project. And she, Alana didn't even do her mitzvah project for Zach Zoo. <laughs> and on Friday, this coming Friday, January 17th, which would have been Zachary's 22nd birthday, mm-hmm. I am taking a group of students to the Gilbert Police Department to deliver stuffed animals that Aww. these kids at Hampshire High School collected. We were honored by Allstate in California um, this past summer. There's an organization called We Day, and they focus on kids especially giving back and doing good. And Allstate honored us in California. So it was We Day California 2019. They gave us 1,500 Allstate teddy bears that went directly from them to the Lake County Children's Advocacy Program, Mm -hmm. which we partner with. In 2018, they had over 1,400 kids coming through testifying against would-be predators of anything, Mm -hmm. sex predators, child abductors. And so by us partnering with them, we've been able to give them stuffed animals to give to these kids. Allstate also implemented a $40,000 grant in Zach's memory. Mm-hmm. So if there was a student or a school, a wee school, that had a volunteer idea and needed funding, they could request the funding in, in Zach's name, which wow. was pretty cool. Oh my yeah, and then she got to meet a lot of people in California. So she was very really, happy. Really, really awesome. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of, uh, quite a few, right? Pentatonics. Haley Steinfeld. Wow. Joe Jonas. Oh, oh wow. Selena Gomez. That's... We were on stage with Neil Patrick Harris. Really? Oh, and Tom Wilson from, so from Allstate. Cool. It was very cool. Yeah. With all that being said, before we get to our final few questions, if people would like to donate to Zach Zoo, where can they find you? How can they help? We are all over, aren't we? You can find us at schools and at places in downtown Highland Park. And we have bins there that you can just put your stuffed animals in. We're at the police department, Highland Park Police Department, and City Hall. And our website? And our website at com, And you can um, donate stuffed animals through there and send them to us through our P.O. Box. And Facebook? And Facebook. And Instagram. And Instagram. Wow. All You're right. You have it all covered. <laughs> So for our final few last questions, the first one is, if there's one thing you would like to do more of, what would it be? If there was one thing I could do more of in my lifetime, it would be doing more of Zach Zoo, reaching out to more people and getting the word out more and getting stuffed animals in the hands of more kids. Okay. Um, How about one thing that you would want to do less of? One thing I would like to do less of, honestly, there isn't anything. There, mm-hmm. it's. I would like just to do more of. Mm-hmm. I would like to do more talking, more public speaking on Zach Zoo, more motivational speaking. If you could have a do-over at any point in your life, what and when would that be? I don't want to do my life over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do over. Mm-hmm. I... I have no regrets. I was raised 
to never regret anything, but to learn from every experience. So no do-overs, just keep moving, keep going forward and keep now more than ever live every second, not just for myself, but for Zach. And when we, when Alana and I travel, I think, okay, Zach, you know, you're here, we're doing this now, you're doing this with us. He's doing it in spirit. He's probably done it already. Um, but no do-overs. One thing that we had talked about that we wanted to ask you, because I think we both thought it was pretty incredible, that you've never had, or it doesn't sound like you've ever had a why me moment. I never, through this whole process, ever said why me. And I think it's because of my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom never said why me. Battling breast and lung cancer, two separate cancers, diagnosed literally three days apart from each other. She had three surgeries seven days apart from each other. And through the course of her treatment, losing her hair and everything else, she never said, why me? And I think that was something, it's, it's not about my, me. Why did this happen to me? It's about what can I do then to better the lives of other people? Because that's what Zach would expect out of me. Never for a second. Did you ever think, why me? Right when... My mom told me that Zach had passed away. I just thought for a second, like, why? But then now I kind of realize that it's because um, we should, like, he wants us to do good and, like, bring back Zach Zoo and stuff. I don't know how to thank you for sharing the extraordinary story (laughs) and perhaps more importantly for doing the extraordinary work that you have done and they continue doing. We are giving you um, what we thought would be a small token of our immense gratitude for you coming here and, like I said, sharing your story and doing just unbelievably incredible work. Um, so we have <laughs> two stuffed animals that we want so to donate. So cute. I want to thank both of you. I mean, this, again, if I can talk more about Zach Zoo, then my job mm-hmm. is on the right path. So thank both of you for letting us come today and talk about it because that's big. Mm-hmm.